I read this article recently about um, Metallica had played some sort of benefit concert uh, on Twitch because it was in the last like year or so. So it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. Um, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so it was like covid time so they couldn't do uh they did, couldn't have a big live crowd but they did on twitch they probably had all sorts of live gopros around lars <laughs> yeah. full setup twitch automatically flagged the the performance and like li- real time uh like played muzak over what they were playing <laughs> No, <laughs> and it was, and the article was all about how like Metallica was like one of these two groups, or, or like one of these big groups that like at the time yeah. of all the DMCA shit happening, they like made a yeah. big show of it. Like f- they so were the was, big anti Napster like band when that, Napster broke out. It was this ironic flip that they got fucking yeah, they... <laughs> <laughs> the monster of of complaining about music that they helped create. Yeah, <laughs> it's good shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that era where, like, if you had LimeWire, like, I was I was a little bit afraid that, like, the FBI would show up. Dude, my dad. my house. Oof. You open up the door occasionally to my room and be like, hey, you're not downloading any music illegally. <laughs> <laughs> you better be looking at porn. You wouldn't download a car. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, movies? I, I don't care. Just... No music. <laughs> the movies he didn't care about. <laughs> well, because that was the word on the streets was that the yeah. the R I A A was coming for you. Yeah, the the edge would hear that you you know tried to download uh, how to dismantle an atomic bomb off of Kazaa, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd, he'd send he'd send the uh, the provisional IRA to your door to plant a car bomb under under your uh, vehicle. Welcome to This Is Bad with Norm, Sam, and Patrick. The voice recorder app that I use, uh, it's just like the stock, like, you know, Google Android voice recorder app, but it has mm-hmm. like like a cool, like, running waveform. So sometimes I get, like, I glance down if my phone screen's on, I get distracted by it <laughs> like when I'm talking because it looks like, like Hal 9000 start... or something going. Uh-huh. <laughs> num num, you notice yourself. You notice it moving when you talk? Yeah. Num num. Birdie num num. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll like... Birdie num num. E- either of you guys get that ref? Sick ref. I do not. Is that like the last detail? Like the Buddhist chanting? <laughs> no, the, uh, the birdie num num. It's from the movie The Party, starring Peter Sellers. It's both a great vehicle for Peter Sellers' comedy and just a great comedy that is like kind of unique. It doesn't have a ton of dialogue. It's all physical comedy, but it's uh, it all takes place at this party. Oh, oh yeah. Is that? Oh, that's with. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene with like an animal of some kind. Yeah, yeah. You bring they bring an elephant, an elephant at the right. big yeah, end yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the big closer. Yeah, the, that's right. The hippie daughter brings an elephant from some protest. At one point, he interacts with this bird, and it says "num num birdie num num," and like, there's a funny scene with the birdie num num. Uh, 
but then later in the film he's he is messing with the homeowners because it's all this like fish out of water of him being at this fancy Hollywood party he has no business being and he's like an extra uh, he came to America to be an actor and he's an extra and got accidentally invited to this fancy Hollywood party uh, and so uh, he's like messing with the homeowners like technology and like this it's like basic like PA system from the 60s and stuff like that and it has a little waveform he like coughs and he notices that it moves and then he's like just saying things to make the line move and not realizing that it's being like projected across the entire house and property and stuff num num birdie num num <laughs> it's a it's a catchphrase of the film <laughs> but yeah I've been there and caught saying dumb shit into the fan <laughs> I thought nobody was home yeah what did, what did uh, people say into fans before uh, before Star Wars you know gave you the, the default Darth Vader voice what was the, mm-hmm. the go to maybe it was a Brody num num could have been <laughs> It was like Old Man River or something. <laughs> you would just do a minstrel show straight into the fan. <laughs> Speaking of a minstrel show. No, no. <laughs> no, no, not really. But, you know, when your partner sets, you spike. Uh, that's how you play verbal volleyball. I will say I'm coming into recording this episode fresh off watching the uh, Elon Musk SNL appearance. Uh, so mm-hmm. my barometer for what I consider to be bad is has been warped irreparably. <laughs> there was uh, uh, actually there was a, a sketch where he played Wario. Yeah, that wasn't bad. It was so weird. It, yeah. The whole thing was very strange. Yeah, and they made but, like a yeah. big a big crux of that bit was like anti Italian defamation. Anti Italian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was it treated Italian Americans about as respectfully as the United States of Al treats uh uh Afghan uh immigrants. <laughs> oh man. Um, but I think, you know, watching the, the, the Elon Musk, like, he's just like this, like, black hole of charisma, like, just the, like, deeply, profoundly unfunny, um, you know, flubbing all his lines, he had this weird kind of, he, he moved his body, like, I mean, this is not going to go across in, in the pod, but, like, he had a weird... I, I kind of shimmy he was doing every time he spoke. He was stimming, bro. He's yeah. stimming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, did, he did out himself as, uh, uh, as, as having Asperger's, um, during his, his monologue. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was deeply unfunny. And like one of those things where like, I was embarrassed. I, I'm watching it alone in a room with no one else. And I was embarrassed for myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but I, I think that's, you know, a little bit more interesting than, um, I, I don't know, the, the, the guy from the United States of Al host, you know, have <laughs> have lunatic billionaires host. The, you know, like six, <laughs> guy, six guys own half the wealth 
in the world or whatever, eight guys, <laughs> whatever. If you want to be in that club, you should have to host SNL every every year and appear in all the sketches. Steve Ballmer would be the best billionaire host. <laughs> Steve Ballmer, I, yeah, no, he would bring a real kind of manic energy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could, I could see that being an entertaining one. Larry Steve Ballmer Ellison. is the fun billionaire <laughs> yeah. who, like, you're only shocked for a moment when he kills you in the end. You're like, oh my god, but of course, <laughs> of course. And then he sucks your, the, the adrenochrome out of your neck. I haven't said anything in a while, but I did just click the mouse. Just to point that out. <laughs> they do say it's the quiet ones you need to watch out for. And if you notice, I ain't said shit for about five minutes now. <laughs> you know that ref? I'm just dropping refs like crazy here. Is it the wire? That one is. No, 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 that's... Uh... <laughs> That's um, Fear of a Black Hat. It's a mockumentary about uh, hip-hop. It's like what CB4 like ripped off, basically. I was going to say, I was thinking of CB4, yeah. 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 I've seen that. Uh, we're both basically ripping off Spinal Tap, but uh, they're both music mockumentaries, but about these rappers. But, like, there are some jokes, there are some actual jokes repeated. Fear of a Black Hat came first. <laughs> uh, and it's more of like an indie movie, and CB4 is like a studio movie starring Chris Rock, you know? And I personally just think Fear of a Black Hat is better. And it was another one of my formative films as a youth that, along with the party, uh, has turned me into quite a silly boy. How about that, Al? I gotta say, this was an aberration of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> an aberration. An aberration. Not only were there many more jokes, and like actual jokes, not like incredible, but like, not like you're watching some sort of like, uh, some sort of like, facsimile of like you fed a, an alien computer 10,000 scripts and it like is spitting out this show you know uh <laughs> and then also it like uh it, it like actually goes over the top into the whole uh plight of the afghan interpreters it's almost it was almost like uh mediocre so did you, you know? think it, this... it was like distinctly not as awful as the previous five. <laughs> yeah. Did you think that we were never going to see this level of addressing the plight of the interpreter? Yes. <laughs> from judging from what we saw in the first several, I didn't think that there would be like multiple scenes and like a whole monologue at the end about it and stuff, you know? <laughs> uh, and like actually, like, uh, in like a sort of coherent sort of presentation of like he's literally going there and presenting to a group of like average american veterans the the little under the, the underreported plight of the terps uh yeah well that that's you know i i sort of had to laugh um you know at that when when al was making his speech where it's like 
it really is kind of like missing the forest for the trees a little bit where it's like yeah that's that, that's the one thing america got wrong with the war in afghanistan was the interpreter thing everything yeah. else we, everything <laughs> else we absolutely nailed <laughs> at one point they're arguing and he's like lay off me man and Al was like, no, I will lay on you, man. And continues to, like, pester him about it. And I was like, that right there is a funny joke. Mm. Yeah, so the, um, you know, basic <laughs> basic plot of the episode is um, uh, what uh, uh, Agent Parker Riley, uh, the troops, <laughs> <laughs> father of <laughs> M- Mr. Fart, <laughs> is having uh, a fundraising event at... He, I think he just, he calls it, like, my local veterans post. They don't want to be giving the, the VFW free advertising. They don't want to you know? show favoritism to... Yeah. yeah. Right, because well, cause if you say VFW, then, like, the American Legion guys are going to come, you know, fi- <laughs> yeah, firebomb yeah. your headquarters or something. But so his local veterans post, Mr. Fart's veterans He's probably post. down at the at the Kiwanis Club <laughs> anyway. Kiwanis Club. <laughs> But they're they're doing some kind of fundraiser, and um, you know for for the troops, and they want uh, Riley and Al to come speak and receive an honor of some some sort. And Al is very excited, and uh, uh, Riley is less enthusiastic because of. Um, you know, reasons. His generalized disposition. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, although he's like increasingly bitch. bothered in this one. He is, uh, yeah. And, and I really think that uh, what I said before is now a lock for me. That he is at the very least going to, by the end of this season, like explain that he blames himself for his buddy's death. If not, if he's not the actual reason, like I think that there's going to be obviously there's going to be some other reason, uh, and uh, but he blames himself for his buddy's death. Like that's where we're going with this because they just like completely leave it alone and don't actually talk about it. You know, we, we can get to it later, but like you know, he does actually have like a he doesn't he like runs away and stuff, and there's like a resolution of sorts to it, but they don't actually talk about what's troubling him, you know? <laughs> and I'm, I, I think it's going to be that he's, he, he killed his buddy, or at least he thinks he killed his buddy, but it's going to turn out that Al knows something that he doesn't know that he knows. And it's some sort of proof that it's not really his fault. So, uh, we do meet a new, uh, character. Oh, uh, my favorite in, character. In the flesh. Yeah. Our friend, Freddie, uh, the uh, the gentleman caller uh, to uh, uh, Riley's wife while he was oh, uh, overseas. Right. Yeah, the the Cody. <laughs> the the Jimmy. no no it's it's not a Cody because they they were t- they weren't together right uh, when she they broke up after he came back. Right, Jody, right. right? Yeah. Jody, yeah. It's just his new boyfriend, but he has a high parted. Man bun. It's so it's parted. It's parted in the upper part of his head, going vertically or horizontally <laughs> across. Yeah, it's, it's like, parted. It's like the, the and the top look. half 
isn't a man bun. It's a samurai. It's kind of like if you were trying to do a samurai, but you got the proportions wrong. A weird, yeah. like, combination fleece cardigan yeah. drug rug thing. Yeah. No, he looks like he looks like um, a liberal in, like, a Ben Garrison cartoon. You know? <laughs> 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 he, he well, no, like... he's a liberal in this cartoon. <laughs> I think. No, you know, the whole, so yeah, you know, Riley goes over his, you know, his ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife's home and encounters Freddy, and they have, like, a conversation on the stoop, um, a lot of which revolves around, uh, you know, Freddy kind of, kind of putting his foot in his mouth with respect to, to Riley <laughs> being a troop, trying to impress him, yeah, but also, you know, kind of, like, backhandedly insulting him it honestly felt to me a little bit like a darman video where he's like you know i would have been i would have been a troop but i have a deviated yeah. septum i have a deviated septum i would have served but i get nosebleeds and then when it's <laughs> yeah. dark yeah it's like yeah it's and, so like, over okay. the top yeah. <laughs> it's very darman asking all he needed to do was be like it was be like hey uh you know any uh you know any other ladies I could see on the side when I'm like <laughs> She's not really into doing the hard drugs I like to do. Neither is the kid. But you you happen to know any uh, other ladies I could see <laughs> just to make this character a little more cartoonishly bad. I think it just goes to show that uh you really have to bend over backwards to make yourself look like a big asshole when Riley is standing on the front porch right there. He's just, right. uh, he's sucking all the air out of the room already. He also, he's like, oh, can I see, you know, can I talk to my ex? And he's like, oh, she's not here right now, but, like, you can talk to this, you can talk to some chorizo or something oh, like that. Chorizo. You know, you can talk yeah. to my my nice chorizo or something like that. Well, he did say uh, chorizo, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, chorizo, he did. Yeah, yeah, chorizo. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I make my own sausage, chorizo. kind of a hobby. Chorizo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You made some homemade chorizo. But, like, the way he delivered the line, like, the, the it really sounded like, hey, can I talk to my friend? It's like, no, but you can talk to this sausage. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, you know, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, oh, look at this fucking... Ohio hipster, this Mr. <laughs> Mr. Make My Own Artisanal Meats. And it's a little bit, it seems a little sus, right? Like, fellas, and it's fellas, is it gay to make chorizo? Yeah. I think the way he moved into the, into the lisp on chorizo was very, like... Yeah. And chorizo, too, not homemade, like, brats. No. Or, like, you know, Italian sausage or anything. No. They just no. Want, they wanted to have him appropriate as many cultures as he could within the the scene. Right from the Iberian Peninsula, one of the lesser <laughs> lesser Europeans. <laughs> the top knot, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, another moment that had some of that like signally uh, vibes, like heavy handed vibes to it, like the. Uh, the lesbian um, woman at the working at the VA, she makes a big deal out of being a, an open 
and proud lesbian uh, like hypes up like kind of shows off her trophy wife if if you will and uh mm-hmm. and they they make sure to show Hank Schrader like smile and approval <laughs> it's just like a half a second clip but it's it's definitely just like make sure everybody knows uh, Hank's not homophobic yeah it's well she explicitly says you know not anymore uh, <laughs> uh that uh, don't ask don't tell was repealed uh in 2011 yeah um and it's like okay yeah i mean that was that was 10 years ago it does it kind of make this feel like Another one of those things that makes us feel like a sitcom from an earlier era. I guess there haven't been many troop sitcoms where you could make a, a <laughs> joke like that since 2011. But it is like like, like making up for lost <laughs> this time. joke's been burning a hole in my pocket for nine years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if there was a troop sitcom in 2011, they would not have made a pro-gay joke. No. You know? No. That, the uh, our, our Kenyan president... May have changed, may have ch- may have had a change of heart about it, but that doesn't mean that the American military has to accept it. But uh, the actual line she said after she throws off, shows off the trophy wife. Smoke show is the regional terminology. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. She says, uh, "I had to keep, <laughs> I had, I had to keep that on the down low until 2011." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I've been like this ever since. Targeted, and if you're wondering the demographic, it's the demographic that said down low. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of the uh, the Law and Order SVU episode where uh, Ice T <laughs> finds out his son is is on the down low, and he has to explain <laughs> what the term means to the white detectives. Yeah. <laughs> which probably came yeah. actually probably came out before 2011 probably came out in like 2006 <laughs> was there a sub what was the subplot was there a subplot no the sub- well the subplot is Riley because the other scenes are still all about him well the first scene is Al and the daughter having a push up contest and Al keeps trying to make excuses for why he's doing worse, but uh, he's losing his breath. She wins, and Ry- and Riley's like, all right, let's go to your mom's. Like, uh, we'll get ice cream on the way. And Al's like, oh, can I have ice cream? And she's like, no, ice cream is for winners. No participation ice cream. <laughs> yeah, nice. you, you, yeah, you pussy Al, you Gen, Gen Z, <laughs> millennial. <laughs> participation trophy expanded unemployment who's been made soft by american (laughs) culture now you need your allowance to do your push-ups now yeah so there we know they set up that there's going to be some trepidation uh as soon as they ask riley to do it as soon as uh mr fart asks riley to do it uh and so the next scene we see after, you know, several minutes of commercials, if you were watching it the way I was, <laughs> uh, mm. is him asking Lizzie, who gets named twice in this episode. Twice we finally hear her name. Uh, it almost made me think they were going to make some sort of joke uh, 
uh, and like I thought that maybe for a moment I thought they were going to make like a Leslie joke because there's like a lesbian character and her name is Lizzie. Like I was like the last time we were we kept hearing someone's name, it was because they were making a fart joke, you know. So, uh, but no, they didn't. But in this scene where Mister Fart comes in to see her, uh, he doesn't say her name. Um, but uh, she's making some art. Uh, by breaking some beer bottles, he's making like a mixed media art thing, and he's like, uh, "Why don't you not make art? You know, are you sure it's art? Are you sure it's not breaking bottles?" I forget how why it comes up, but he mentions how he was in Granada and how <laughs> it was the turning point of the Cold War, which <laughs> it was not. <laughs> yeah, uh, and. And she was like, really? I thought it was more of uh, the volleyball scene from Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, I missed the name of the conflict that he said he participated in, but I knew from the from the jokes they made, oh, it must have been Grenada. Yeah, I did like that. Like, So this is the episode where they're, they're going to deal, you know, most directly with the plight of the Afghan interpreters and the kind of you know, underlying idea behind the show and stuff. Uh, and they do it in what I thought was a rather unartful way, which is uh, they had a character just explain it straight <laughs> to a group of people. <laughs> like as close to as, as close to breaking the fourth wall and just literally the sister is putting together a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> And they just yeah. He this is why I was explains it. This is why I actually wanted to. I went back and watched that interview just before we started recording, was because I wanted to hear the exact words he said in defending against criticism. Because my first thought after watching this episode was that they wrote this after they heard the initial criticism about the show and the pilot. That, like, this is, like, such a departure in writing as far as, uh, not a super departure, but, like, it's it's a noticeable amount of actual content instead of just, uh, kind of signaling, uh, and, and a lot of filler dialogue. Um, and it is really based around driving home this idea <laughs> that Afghan interpreters are under continued uh, threat and have been, uh, and and it's wrong. It's kind of the point that we were, it's one of the main points that we were saying, like, is uh, the reason that you shouldn't be making a, a show that, that jokes about this. And for some reason, they chose to properly actually address this issue in the fifth episode. <laughs> Sixth episode? Six, I think. Six. This, Six. Oh, sixth episode, yeah. So now in the sixth episode, we're getting them really talking about it and explaining wh- wh- what this is. Uh, so I wanted to double check and make sure that uh, they didn't, that he didn't, th- that he did reference like that there was some sort of idea of we will get to that, you know, which there was a little bit in, in the defense he was saying, which was like, just <laughs> at one point he says, it takes a long time to develop a character. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I expected there to be something on this level, but this is, like, exactly what I expected, is that, you know, you would build, you know, you have a character we're expected to empathize with and tune in to see on a weekly basis, you know, he should get mad about the life-and-death plights going on in his life and not reduce it to a PSA. You know, it's all a little assimilationist, right? It's like a good mm. Afghan interpreter comes and informs everybody else about the rest of everybody. You know, when it, the, there was some, there was, there was like an agreement that was reneged upon here, right? That we were supposed to get these interpreters' visas, and now we're wishy-washy about it, or, or am yeah, I misunderstanding? At the bottom. Bottom of a pile of visas. Right. Like, there's something that you should be mad about. Like, this is a betrayal. This is, this is like, you know, you always learn in school, like, oh, well, we made treaties with the Native Americans, but then we wiped them out anyways. It's like, well, when you fucking make deals with people, maybe we should start honoring them and not, like, act like that's business as usual. Um... Yeah, I did think, you know, Al's, you know, sort of uh, tone in his speech of like, uh, you know, with respect to the, the interpreters and the visas and stuff, like, you know, America said it was going to do something, and then it did a different, worse thing. That hmm. doesn't normally happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I mean, the, in the show's logic here, like, Hopefully there's some sort of repercussions for Riley ducking out on this because, like, shouldn't he care about this message, too? And instead he gets to go out and instead do his own public service announcement about how drinking and driving is really okay. (laughs) Well, how else are you going to get to the strip club? Presumably Al isn't going to bring him there. His wife needs to drive him. Yeah. (laughs) Like a normal... (laughs) guy that'd be a fun scene as you know he calls his ex-wife to get her to drive him to the strip club <laughs> and freddie you know uh gives her a speech about setting boundaries you know <laughs> so, sometimes you show you care by saying no <laughs> freddie oh man <laughs> that guy's that's like he was um like a doofus extra boyfriend on um big bang theory too that actor let's see it's his like typecast role sweet he kind of looks like uh homeboy adam driver (laughs) yeah sure he kind of looked like tom driver he looks like adam driver's brother his brother who's like five years older than him who gets into acting (laughs) like three years after him like his his dennis quaid (laughs) to adam driver's randy quaid so agent parker riley leaves in the middle of the event and you know the 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 father goes and like tries to stop him and be like hey what's going on like uh he's like oh you know they just gotta go and so the wife ex-wife goes and tries to find him and is like don't worry i know where to find him and so she goes and, like, on the way gets him, like, a burger or something and goes to, like, the ballpark where he he's, like, a, sitting in the parking lot of a ballpark. Uh, and she was like, well, there's only three places you go when you're 
when you want to be alone in like the strip club burned down or something like that. <laughs> uh, and she consoles him and like, uh, it's like, you know, gives him some like water and says like, you should hydrate and gives him some food and stuff. And she, and they like, don't talk about anything. She's just like, I want the father of my daughter to be okay. So I'm going to, like, sit here and be here for you. And yeah. they, like, don't talk about anything, you know? <laughs> I thought that was weird. So, yeah, she hits it with the Gatorade and the Advil and stuff. Oh, was, yeah, that's... It's, it's She hits it with, like, a hangover. Yeah, she gives him aspirin. Like, why is she giving him aspirin? None of that's that even, like, that's not even a folk remedy for sobering up, like a, you know, cold shower and a hot coffee or whatever. That's just what you do for a hangover. Like, what's that, yeah, what's yeah, or even if it was for, like, sobering up or something, yeah, like, why would that be germane now? <laughs> she's used to dealing with them. She's just got her little Riley first aid kit in her. <laughs> That's what it's got in it, is Gatorade and Advil. It was just the stuff that was in her car already. She just, like, looked under the back seat. Yeah, so what, he, uh, he storms off because... Oh, it's you know it is it's the uh, it's the civvies the civvies at the event keep asking him about being a troop, and and they don't you know they haven't been there, man. They don't know what it's oh. like in the shit. Um, I forgot about the guy was from it the because I, I thought everyone there was a veteran. No, there were a couple people who I think are the the local business guys. Maybe they were supposed to be veterans or something. The they, guy they, from they the office was explicitly oh. a civ- yeah. civilian. Yeah, yeah the, Jerry the, was there. Jerry, that, Jerry from uh, Parks and Rec. I, I will say, I'll oh, eat a little pardon. crow here. Uh, Iraq did get its first mention on the program. Yeah. Because the guy's like, oh, so yeah, when you were over in Iraq or whatever, and he's like, it was Afghanistan. And he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um yeah and he's obviously you know it's, it's his uh his ptsd or whatever is flaring up uh but again i think it's very interesting al absolutely no problem absolutely no uh you know traumas talking about the war zone that he grew up in and uh, <laughs> and recently escaped you know he he loved it and is is just here to help our troop with his his marriage lingering trauma and marriage yeah so i wanted to talk a little bit about uh darman the darman but do we want to uh kind of put a bow on the on the al stuff is there any more stuff al wise yeah i think we i think we you know, covered the uh, the meat of it. Yeah, there's, there's maybe some some gristle left, but, but a little chorizo, a little chorizo. <laughs> that is, you know, that that clip of uh, Reza Aslam, uh, uh, you know, where he's like, uh, you know, we're we're going after the the Heartland viewer, you know, the person who. Love sitcoms is going to be watching CBS at eight thirty on a weeknight. Um, I I do imagine that joke landing hard with them, like oh yeah, this like <laughs> chorizo, yeah, not not a brat or like a proper sausage, but 
chorizo, a, a coastal sausage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to get into Prince EA, but I I feel like there's I need to present a better case. Uh there's too much here to mine. Prince EA? Yeah, the other guy I sent you a couple days ago. The other sort of motivational mindset guy. I knew there was a thing I was supposed to watch. I couldn't I didn't see it in the chat though. Oh, uh, it's it's powerful stuff. Alright, I'm going to do a little bit of clicking. <laughs> Trigger warning. Clicker warning. <laughs> <laughs> CW, clicker warning. <laughs> Teacher humiliates stuttering kid, gets taught a lesson. Karen fat shames woman. <laughs> Karen fat shames woman instantly regrets it. I love how sometimes he like doubles up on like... <laughs> the <laughs> the edgy content like we're not only dealing with karens yeah. we're dealing with fat shaming mm-hmm. and spoiler alert it has nothing to do with karen <laughs> like the, he, he 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 calls her karen for no reason other than to insult her <laughs> and because she's like an annoying white woman for, for but cr- like She's being like, she's being like rude, rude and mean. She's not not being a Karen, you know. Like, <laughs> I think rather than seeing somebody instantly regret their their actions, one of these videos, like a Darman <laughs> video, should be a series where the the ostensible villain, you know, gets away with their misjudgment. You know, assuming the guy in 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 his mint Jordan ones is the, is the janitor or whatever, you know, he gets away with it for several episodes while our hero kind of plots his, you know, Monte Monte Cristo style revenge, you know, climbing his ways through the social ranks, you know, just sort of show the Karen what for at a later date. Karen, Karen Joker poor man. <laughs> <laughs> Karen shames uh, skateboarders, uh, lives fulfilling life, uh, and is crippled with regret on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. But yeah, Prince EA is fascinating though, because like he's his videos look nicer than Darman's. I think he has he's hired much better production people to make his, but there's. Almost, in a sense, even less thought behind some of the ones that I've seen. <laughs> he's a, he's like a, I think he was a rapper and like a po- spoken word artist or something. But he's explicitly selling uh, a program, which Dar doesn't do anymore. He did, though. You know, that's not, like, I didn't explicitly say that earlier, but like, that's part of like the whole mindset Ferrari guy thing is that you need to buy their program. You need to subscribe to their program. Uh, and Dar doesn't have a, Dar has gone beyond that now. He doesn't have a program. <laughs> He's just here program. for the clicks. Uh, and maybe buy some, uh, so you see shirts, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> some, uh, manifest merch, M A N N. but other than that he's just here for the billions of clicks uh but prince ea is still trying to sell 
like an actual life coaching thing. <laughs> Obviously, you know, is, uh, I mean, I imagine it's just completely empty, but he, like, appears to be, like, a, like, I mean, obviously, the life school thing is also, like, a scam on its own, right, too? <laughs> like, that's what a lot of the things I saw about it. I meant to read about it and watch some of these people's videos about how he's a scammer. <laughs> uh, but it's not, like, it's just, it's too forced, you know? Like, uh, and that's why his videos will never be as good product as Dars. Like, they'll be cringy in their own ways, but there's like, a, there's like a genuine element to Dar that makes him the true awesomely bad thing. And as soon as he starts leaning too hard on the whole, you know, see, like supposedly being in on the joke now, it's gonna, it's gonna drop off in quality significantly. Because you can't, you can't fake cringe. You know, it has to come from a real place. <laughs> and like the room like the thing that makes the room so special is that it comes from an entirely genuine place from from Tommy Wiseau and he earnestly pushed it very very hard uh to get it made exactly how we wanted it to be made uh and Dar has done the same thing with his piece of crap product you know <laughs> like he's uh more directly after the success <laughs> than Tommy Wiseau was <laughs> but like he's put out a product that is genuinely cringe because he truly like has the combination of not caring enough to make it any better and being bad uh, and also thinking that, like, for what he's doing, this is fine. This is good enough, you know? <laughs> what, from what I saw, I, I felt like the, the key difference was that, like, that guy had an air of sincerity that, like, or of, like, condescension almost that Darman doesn't have. Like, Darman has himself has a very, like, good vibes sort of vibes about yeah. him like and he's always smiling he's always saying like oh this is about positivity like it he you're you're instructed really like to not think about things too hard right you're just supposed to like you know emphasis on positivity like if you just you know if we can all just like obey these like look how simple it is to not be a douchebag like look how obviously wrong these people are in the it's video good vibes. so like good you, know, you feel like the community is just like not being a total asshole who's gonna like throw change at fucking homeless people or whatever and, or not throw throw it in the opposite yeah, direction yeah. and uh um, kick the change yeah, yeah. right <laughs> and uh where's that other guy um, and maybe it's a product of like trying to sell your yeah. life coaching is like had seemed to it, me to have much more of a vibe like this is serious and like take this seriously it which, is which it is strange is. because like the, the success is is leaning more in Darman's favor but like not wanting it as much as like giving it to him maybe I don't know <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he made some, like, awful pun sort of thing in that one, where, like, for so some reason, like, uh, 
she's like, oh, do you want peanuts in your coffee or something? And I don't know if she explicitly mentioned that she had a peanut allergy and she said that. I think maybe she didn't. Uh, You're just supposed to refer and, it. Uh, and then he, but in his response, he's like, you offered her peanuts, but the real elephant in this room is what you're doing to like, you <laughs> so bad. It was oh, so bad. Yeah, but he, uh, the, the whole point of the, the thing was like, this, this, uh, this larger girl goes in to order a, a coffee and it's just like, she she wants like skim milk and she wants it small, you know, <laughs> and like no sugar or something like that. And the girl's like, "Are you sure you want that? Are you sure you don't want it large and like with <laughs> fat milk? Because like <laughs> you're milk? fat, you'll never be someone who gets a small. You sure you don't want peanuts or something like just being awful." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And at every turn, like, the, the girl keeps trying to make uh, the healthier order. And she keeps trying to ask her otherwise. And, and then eventually Prince EA comes. He's like a character in this. He's like another patron who's been there. And he comes forward and he's like, wait, I have to say something. Because I cannot allow this to just continue to go on. Do you not see that she is attempting to better herself. <laughs> His cadence is so ridiculous. <gasps> you may have offered her peanuts, but the real elephant in this room is the way that you are mistreating her. <laughs> yeah, right. And meanwhile, he's just... I, I didn't have the opportunity to properly dive into it, but of course, he's just another scammer who's scamming the people who want to better themselves and... <laughs> are gullible enough to fall for his thing. Yeah, it's, it, it is a trend with a lot of the Ferrari guys that, like, uh, they're aggressive and insulting. Because why wouldn't they be? They look down on you. You Like, you're, uh, you're, you're a poor. Like, have fun being poor. Staying poor. <laughs> One of my favorite guys, I don't remember his name, but he's, the, he's a billionaire mindset guy. Not even millionaire mindset. But he is, like, the most insulting one. You'll know his videos because he's like, he's like, here's my link. I know you won't click on it because you don't do anything you should to improve yourself. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> these are my cars. Yeah, I got them. I got other ones too. You'll never see a car like this because you don't say yes to yourself. <laughs> and I guess it works enough. You know, it's like, uh. <laughs> It's like these Ferrari guys, and like absolutely none of them own those Ferraris, you know, like uh, it's like the bling bling era, you know, like cash money, no limit master P videos with like rentals and stuff. It was all just like you rent a car, you probably rent your bling possibly, but like you certainly rent the cars and you make the videos and you shoot your uh, album cover and stuff like that as though and, and you just rap about having money and uh next thing you know it works fake it till you make it the ferrari guys are basically the rentals of the grifter industry <laughs> taking the methodology of master percy miller uh or manifred fresh i'm not sure who came up with the rentals idea if it was manifred manny fresh 
or Master Percy P. Miller. I followed a uh, relationship slash uh, life coach for about a year or so. After my first serious breakup, I uh, told I was talking about it at a poker game once. This guy and his uh, middle-aged gentleman recommended this YouTube channel to me. This guy, Corey Wayne, talked about, uh, took questions from divorcees and, uh, and younger people going through breakups and stuff and advised them on how to be confident and move on. And, uh, I always, like, kind of recognized that it was grifty, but I didn't, I, it didn't bother me so much because this guy kind of emphasized that a lot of people are grifters out there and like you don't have to like you can do this stuff or not do this stuff and but what really matters is like learning to be comfortable with yourself and I was like I can get down with that message and um (laughs) I mean I never gave the guy any money and he would talk sometimes about how people give him lots of money for his coaching um but that in itself didn't really bother me because, like, you know, there is, like, a right and a wrong way to give vague advice to the masses via YouTube. But, um, and I'm not saying that this guy did it the right way or the wrong way, but, uh... No, I mean, I the life coaching thing is, is rife with that, you know? It can certainly be done very well, like, it's, uh, you know, basically it's therapy, uh, but, like, actually, like, targeted more directly at improvement. Like, I, I, like, I have a friend who's a life coach, and, like, she's, like, one of the best people I know, like, I've ever met, like, and, like, I can't even imagine being, like, life coached by this person, like, uh, it's, it's probably, like, changing everyone she talks to, like, uh, but these guys, this ain't it, bud, you know, <laughs> this is something different. Like, like, I think it's kind of funny that, um, uh, like, Marie Kondo and, uh, and Jordan Peterson basically offer the same signature piece of advice, which is to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, clean up, clean, clean your, clean your room, tidy clean up. your home, yeah, tidy up. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, you know, that's, people will defend Jordan Peterson, they'll be like, oh, people say this guy's some kind of, uh, uh, you know, self-aggrandizing pseudo-intellectual grifter. He gives good advice. He told me to clean my room, and I did, and it <laughs> made my life a little bit better. Um, and it's like, well, that's not the part anybody has an issue with, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's all the shit that it's packaged in, um, yeah. and it's the fact that, yeah, he's he's turned it into this outrageously successful Patreon grift, where he just, like, basically snaps his fingers and he gets young men with low self-esteem to just like wire him money you know yeah i mean there was a group that i was a part of like when you said the thing you said about like going to a life coach after a breakup it just made me think of like man i have tried so many things throughout my life to be clear, I never Especially went Especially after breakups and stuff. The first girlfriend, I first relationship that I uh, ended, I ended up going to church 
for like months. And like, not like a chill church, <laughs> like uh, like an aggressive church, like uh, uh, like an all in like meetings recruitment, like uh, and the it's not it wasn't Pentecostal, but it was all the all the services were singing songs, and like that's like dope, like you know, like singing songs in a big group, like that's dope. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> that will cure what ails you. <laughs> but I was in a, and so like, you know, having like community and this group that sings these songs, you know, talks about positivity. It's a good time. It can be very beneficial, you know, <laughs> leaving all the other stuff out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like more specifically to what you were saying there about uh, Jordan Peterson. But that's what Darman Darman is like the modern day televangelist. That's what he is. He's helping people, sure. But it's obviously a grift. And, like, you know, and it's just tough to put your finger on that grift and say, here, he should, here it is. This is it. Stop doing it. You know, <laughs> televangelists were around for decades. They only kind of recently have kind of started going by the wayside and they probably just shifted like off TV and stuff and just back into like the mega churches instead of televangelizing. But yeah, Darman is is the farting preacher guy, you know? Like, that guy, I forget his name, but he's, he was one of the best. He would, he would come on at, like, 2, 3 in the morning on BET. Those were some real, real college hours. He's just, like, such a ridiculous person. And then, years later, someone made this, the, the, the farting preacher thing with him. Because, like, all the faces he makes and stuff worked well with the farting effects i guess of of what's what's known as fart jokes and it was just interesting to see this character that i've known for many years be looked at for this entirely different reason <laughs> it's like a david s pumpkins thing you never really know what's going to catch on with the with the big the big community you know the right. the wider audience yeah kind of kind of pierce the veil it's like rick james it's like the i'm rick james bitch thing like maybe like the unfunniest thing ever said on the Chappelle show you know yeah. <laughs> it's not not funny it's funny like the whole sketch is funny but uh there was much better stuff on the Chappelle show and like that that line became so big that it, like, drove him to seclusion. <laughs> yeah, drove him to South Africa. <laughs> I was at Gathering of the Vibes one year, and uh, a couple of bros walked by the SSDP table I was working, and they were like, Oh, Blues. you guys come over Blues. to the second stage. Chumbawamba's about to play. And I was fucking hype. I was like, yeah. Nice. I love tub thumping. And then these bros, <laughs> like, right in front of me, and the people I was with, they're like, Chumbawamba's not here. Chumbawamba sucks. <laughs> and, like, after having just said that they were, and I was like, I was disappointed, and I felt like they had, like, dissed me 
these two random people walking by. Right, and then later on, I, I heard that uh, they just they were just walking by, <laughs> just like thought this was funny comment to make but i like took it seriously for half a second the people i was with probably like because i wasn't really big in like the festival scene but i was dabbling in it at the time so like the people i was with probably knew immediately that this was some sort of weird joke and but although i remember like a year or so ago i was looking i saw some article that said that like chubba actually had some like real leftist politics yeah dude they're fucking anarchists yeah, they're like great anarchists yeah, yeah yeah so i read that and i was i felt so validated i was like no at, they should have been at gathering of the vibes and those people were losers for saying so like i immediately hit up one of the my friends who was with me at the <laughs> uh at working the table and i was like did you know this like i was i feel really validated like because he uh, that guy that guy who was with me, he loves to bring that up as, like, this hilarious goof that I made that I was silly enough to believe Chumpawombo was there. But, uh... But, uh... Also, like, not only is Chumpawombo cool, but if someone denies that tub-thumping is one of the all-time absolute bangers, that person is lying to, to your... To you and probably themselves. I feel like that always fucks up the club. Yeah.